our scripture reading, like last Sunday morning, is in the Gospel of John, and it's verses 1 and 14 from John chapter 1. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word in our midst today. This is God's holy and infallible word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Brothers and sisters, so what we're doing is reading John's Christmas story, these Sundays of Advent, to prepare for Christmas. It's not the usual Christmas story, like the one in Matthew and the one in Luke. In Matthew, we read about the wise men and the star. In Luke, we read about the shepherds in the field by night and that great company of heavenly hosts who must have lit up the Judean hillside when they came praising God. We don't read that stuff, but John does tell us of Jesus coming to earth. And he tells us why Jesus came. And he tells us who exactly Jesus was. And he tells us all of these things throughout his gospel, but especially in these first verses, in the first chapter. He tells us all these things in the simplest and most straightforward language that you could think of. And at the same time, this simple, straightforward language is filled with depth. Very profound stuff. Last week, in the first three verses, we saw that the Christ of Christmas was and is God. Today, we're adding another piece to that picture of who is the Christ of Christmas. Verse 14 is our focus, and it tells us that this word, who was God, was also man. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is one of the most important of all the verses in the Bible because it's probably the clearest statement of what we call the incarnation. And that means Christ took on flesh. Excuse me. These two ideas that Jesus is God and that Jesus is man are the two most important things we can say about Jesus our Savior. Literally, everything else we could ever say about Jesus comes out of those two main realities. John, in his gospel, is super clear about the deity of Jesus Christ. And don't let anyone fool you or tell you otherwise. John is also super clear about the humanity of Christ. And we have to be super clear on those things too. Those two realities, those two truths are what makes Christmas what it is. We don't really have Christmas without both of those. And Jesus being both of those, that's exactly what people need Jesus to be. 
to be technical about it, that word became, that's in this translation of the Bible, the word became flesh, it's a little bit dangerous. And you need to know that in how you talk about Jesus. It's a little bit dangerous language based on what we said about Jesus being God last week. Jesus is fully God. That means he is everything God is. One of the things God is that's really important for us is that he's immutable. That means God does not change. When we say he became, we might think that the Son of Man changed from one thing to another. And there are some heresies, and a lot of this stuff, like who Jesus is, got worked out in those first few centuries A.D., and we benefit from that in our, in our um, statements of faith, like the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed. But some heresies have tried to figure out, you know, how the, the Trinity, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, the Father, and everything, right? And they said, okay, here's what happened. God, for all eternity, was the Father, and then for 33 years, he morphed into the person Jesus Christ, and then after Jesus ascended into heaven, well, God morphed from Jesus into the Holy Spirit, who is with us today. But no, we believe that the Bible shows us God is eternally all three persons, eternally, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then what happened at that first Christmas was just mind-boggling, miraculous. The Son, who has existed for all eternity and always will, at that first Christmas, the Son added to himself a nature. He added a human nature. And the best language that I think there is to explain that mystery is to say that he assumed a human nature. That mysterious reality that happened at Christmas, it was hinted at already in the Old Testament because when Jesus was promised, he was called things like the woman's seed, he was called a prophet, he was called a servant, he was called of the line of David, he was called a man of sorrows. Those are all human descriptions. But he was also called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, divine descriptions. John 1.14 reveals in a powerful way how those two very different realities about Jesus who would come could all come together. And it's this, the baby born at Bethlehem was the divine and eternal word that John talks about. And we need Christ to be that. We needed Christ to do that. Jesus needed to be God to take on the infinite debt of God against sin. Only God could bear that infinite debt. 
But Jesus also needed to become man, to be one of us, to pay for our sin. Sin requires death as punishment. And God can't die. But a human being can die. And Jesus did die on the cross in his human nature. John talks about the glory of the one and only in our text. In Jesus assuming human flesh, there's great glory. You'd think there'd be great glory in all his divine natures only, like eternity and being all-powerful. But that's not what John is saying. He's saying there is glory in Jesus taking on flesh. And the word that John uses is one of the cruder ways to talk about human nature. It's flesh and blood, skin and bones. It's very, very blunt. In that, there is the glory of God. That glory language is meant to remind us of the glory cloud in the Old Testament. It's reminding us of God's presence in the pillar of fire, in the cloud, leading the people of Israel from Egypt. His presence in a special way on Mount Sinai. His presence in the tabernacle and in the temple. And all of that was looking ahead and preparing the way for the most amazing, the most clear, the most glorious of all revelation of God and His glory in the person of Jesus who came at Christmas. That's why He's called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. John says that He made His dwelling among us. And the literal words are something I think our cadets would appreciate. He pitched His tent among us. That's what it means. He pitched his tent among us. Like in the tabernacle in the desert, that big tent where the people worshipped for those decades and it moved from place to place depending on where they were. Now, the tabernacle where God's presence was is found in the person of Jesus Christ. He dwelt with us. He walked on this earth in our shoes, in our skin. It means so much for us. It means everything. So just this past week, Sarah was helping Sophia pick out her clothes. And I can say this because Sophia is in children's church right now. I might not tell this story otherwise. She was helping Sophia pick out her clothes in her bedroom, and as she was doing that, she looked over at her dresser, and something wasn't right. There was marker writing all over the front of her nice white dresser. Thankfully, the only markers we got around the house are washable. But still, Sarah could see in the midst of those scribbles a big like S, an O, there was a P in there, there was an H. 
you get the picture. So she says to Sophia, Wow, Sophia, someone wrote all over the dresser. Do you know anything about that? Who do you think did that? Sophia doesn't blink and says, Adriana must have got into the markers again. (laughs) Sarah said, Sophia, I want you to tell me the truth. Who did that? And Sophia said, I did, Mommy. I'm sharing that not to rag on a five-year-old, but I'm sharing it to say that each one of us is a whole lot like that. Sin pulls us in to do the most obviously stupid actions and causes us to say sometimes the most obviously wrong things. And then we'll try to blatantly deny it on top of all that. You know, when, when your kid does that, it's like, how in the world can a five-year-old still do stuff like that? How in the world can a five-year-old? She knows better. She's not two. Adriana is almost two. She might even know better. But how in the world can a five-year-old still be doing stuff like that? Well, how can a 39-year-old still fall for such and such sin? How can a 55-year-old believer still have sinful thoughts like that in his mind? How can an 80-year-old still say that or do that? Such an unloving action, such an unloving word. But you see, Jesus understands all that exactly because of John 1, verse 14. He assumed human flesh. He was tempted as we are. He sympathizes with our weaknesses, says the book of Hebrews in chapters 4, 15 to 16. He gets it. He gets you. You have one who understands you through and through, who is seated at the right hand of God and who went to the cross for your sins. And he gets suffering and pain and depression and hunger and thirst and illness and death because he took on flesh. He's either experienced those things himself or he's witnessed them and experienced them up close in those who were close to him. And that caused him pain and suffering. Jesus understands. He really does. We're going to smell and touch and taste the bread and wine soon. These physical elements. May that remind you and assure you that Jesus was and is still flesh and blood like you. And because of that, he was able to accomplish salvation for a person like you. And as he pitched his tent and dwelt on this earth long ago, he continues to pitch his tent among us today. Christ is with you in whatever circumstance you find yourself this morning. In whatever chapter of life you're in, 
He dwells with you, sustains you, cleanses you, strengthens you, forgives you, sees you through. May you know the Christ of Christmas, fully God, fully man, and worship him and adore him today.